Welcome to One Move at a Time, the U.S. chess podcast that explores people and organizations who are advancing our educational mission to empower people, enrich lives, and enhance communities through chess. Our goal is to give you ideas and methods you can use in your own community to help you build chess in your area one move at a time. Make sure to listen to our family of U.S. chess podcasts, which include cover stories with Chess Life on the first Tuesday of each month, in which Chess Life editor John Hartman goes more in-depth with each month's cover story, Ladies' Night, which drops on the third Tuesday of each month, and that is hosted by our Women's Program Director, Jennifer Shahadi, and on the fourth Tuesday of each month, Chess Underground, hosted by our Assistant Director of National Events, Pete Karyanis, in which he examines the game's eccentricities, peculiarities, and theoretical novelties. All can be found at the podcast link on Chess Life Online at uschess.org, or by subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Now, let's welcome our guest to this month's podcast. Welcome to the May edition of One Move at a Time. Our guest today is Russ Makovsky, joining us via Skype from New York City. Russ is the founder and director of Impact Coaching Network, which partners with 18 elementary schools across New York City, engaging over 4,000 students annually. Quoting from their website, ICN was founded with the vision of establishing a network of high-performing chess programs where each school embodies their own unique chess culture while still maintaining a network-wide commitment to excellence. He also founded The Gift of Chess, which is giving away 10,000 chess sets to 10,000 New York City public school students, and Her Move Next, which is empowering future female leaders through the blending of chess, competition, and community. Welcome to One Move at a Time, Russ. Thanks, Dan. It's a pleasure to be here. I am, I, I'm not going to use my usual opening question. Um, and the reason is I'm going to go back to 2019 uh, because a former student of yours that you were instrumental in getting national press coverage, Tani Adewumi, has now re-entered the news as now being a, a national master at the age of 10. Tell us about your relationship with, with Tani, how he came to uh, impact coaching, and um, how you got all this press coverage for him. So um, Tani um, attends the public school PS116 um, on East 32nd Street in, in Manhattan, which we have... Um, a chess program. It's actually a legacy program, being one of the uh, the uh, great chess programs in the history of Scholastic Chess in New York. I think founded many years ago, maybe over twenty years ago, and they had a strong chess culture and a competitive chess team. And it was actually an epicenter for chess in New York City. And they hosted many events. Uh, some of the first tournaments were held hosted at PS One Sixteen, and I was brought in um, to try to keep that tradition alive and to to rebuild the chess program and engage the kids in uh, the, the chess team. So we started a chess club um, at PS116. I, I assumed the role of the director of the chess program at, at PS116. And, you know, we began to build um, from the ground up, uh, you know, a competitive chess program. Um, we went into the classrooms um, with our curriculum chess program, engaging kids in, in the classrooms, introducing the game of chess. And then once we find interested and engaged students, we um, invited them to the after-school chess program. And from our after-school chess program, we were building out our competitive chess team, which competes at local, city, state, and national um, national tournaments. Um, and one day I get a call from um, Sean Martinez, who was coaching the curriculum chess at PS116, and he, he was just super excited. You know, He had found a really a, a new kid had just moved into the school, 
Um, it was the middle of school year, so he came in the midway of the chess program, and uh, this kid was just eager and excited. He never had played chess before, but you know, we can spot as educators, we can spot you know enthusiasm in a kid's eye and just the way they light up when they see a chessboard. And Sean was just really excited about the opportunity to um, introduce this kid, and um, he wanted to invite him to the um, the chess team after school, which we train um, on Thursdays. So me and Sean connected. I, I reached out to the principal, Jane Shu. And I asked about the family, and sure enough, there were a new family that had just arrived into the school. And um, I was able to connect with um, uh, the mother, uh, Tanya's mother, and we exchanged some emails. And uh, we invited him to join the after school program. And it became clear that the economics would, was a challenge at that time. And, you know, as I say, anybody that's enthusiastic about the game of chess as a home, you know, in our programs, we, we want the best kids, the brightest kids, the most engaged kids, and the most enthusiastic kids, regardless. Of anything else, I said, you know what, we'd love to have him. Uh, we'd love to have Kenny join the chess program and exchange communication. And the very next week, he came to his first chess practice as an enthusiastic kid. And then, listen, he was <laughs> excited, energetic, um, and you know, engaged. You know, always um, sitting in the front of the class, trying to answer questions. And um, and all what what struck me the the most was that uh, not only was he most engaged, he actually put the most work in, and he, he was relentless. You know, um, from what I understood. You know, he was going home and he was using his um, mother's or father's laptops or, or, or cell phones or, um, to use to access the chess technology. And he was just, it was unbelievable. You know, if, if, you know, the kids in the program were doing 50 to 100 puzzles a week, Tanny was, you know, sometimes hitting thousands of puzzles a week. And, you know, just with that acceleration of that passion, but access to technology and the support of that PS116 community, his play began to accelerate very, very, very quickly. Um, and we just took note, I think, you know, as documented, he played his first tournament within a, a month of, of learning chess. He played his first tournament. And obviously in that tournament, he, he lost most of his games, I think with a rating of 105, but the passion was there. The competitive spirit was there and the work ethic was definitely there. And just <laughs> every time we had an event, every time we had an event, he was always there, regardless if it was a camp, if it was a tournament, if it was a training session, if it was a club, it was a class, he was always there front and center, engaged, passionate about the game and working extremely hard. And, it, and his play followed. And I think we really saw the biggest significant jump was that summer when he joined um, summer training camp for eight weeks, 40 hours a week with some of the top kids in New York City. And he went from sort of being a kid that loved the game that was improving by the end of the summer that he was very much on everybody's radar. And that that September, you know, he that summer he broke a thousand USCF, which we call our USCF, it's our Hall of Fame at PS160, you get recognized for a scholastic player to break a thousand USCF, pretty, pretty significant accomplishment. Um, so we made a big recognition of him. So we already knew the talent was there. And that, that, um, that year from September going all the way into the state championship, he, he just continued to improve. And it, there was really no, there was no limits to how quickly he was improving. And then by the time we got to the state championship, he was already well over 1,500. And, um, you know, he didn't go to that state championship, a novice player. He went, you know, a very competitive player. You know, he was one of the top seeded players in the state. Um, but still the magic moment of when, you know, you realize that this kid had just joined the program, you know, that didn't have a lot of resources, that just was excited for an opportunity in the chess program and in New York and in the new school, that he was having, he, he potentially could win a state championship. I mean, I, the, the energy was palpable. I mean, it was, it was a magical moment I'll never forget and him going into the final round, knowing that he could walk out the state champion. And sure enough, he um, came back with a draw 
in a very typical position, as was documented. I've seen the game, and it really was a magical game, magical moment. He was much better than much worse, and then was able to secure a draw. He came back in, and you know we just celebrated him. I remember lifting him high in the high in the room, and just was so proud of him. His mom was there, and Coach Sean, and Coach Angel, and all of his teammates. And we actually drove a bus there. We rented a bus from New York City. It was a it was a, like a, a van. You know, it had sixteen passenger van. Coach Jonathan was driving, you know, the van, I believe, and everybody was in the in the car. All, all the coaches, you know, like Coach Joel and Coach Aaron, Coach Kenny, Coach Matthew, um, Coach Sean, me, myself, um, all the coaches were there. And it was just this one big van of coaches and Kenny in the back seat with his trophy. He won the state championship. And I knew it was a special moment. It was really quite magical. We were driving back from Saratoga Springs, New York, to New York City, and I knew that his life potentially had changed. And the next morning, what happened was I, I just want to congratulate our staff, you know, all the people that put their, 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 uh, their hearts into training these kids and just, you know, these, two, these coaches are so passionate, dedicated their lives to having impact in, in our community. And I wrote him a letter. I said, this past weekend, you know, one of our students who first came to us less than a year ago um, uh, as, a, as a brand new student. And one year later, you know, he's a state champion. And all while he's, you know, has been living in a homeless shelter. I mean, this kid has incredible opportunity. I said, this is bigger than chess. What we're doing is, it's, you know, it's, it's having an impact on people's lives. And uh, that little email that I had got sent around to people in the chess community. And I knew that, you know, I wanted to do something. We want to do something to sort of help, um, help the family, you know, in what capacity help them to what we, you know, we're, we're part of a tremendous community of chess people in New York City, not just my program, but public, private, charter schools. It's a chess family in New York. And I knew that everybody loved Tanny and everybody supports excellence. And I just want to see if we can do something to kind of help the family kind of move their life forward here in, uh, in, in New York and the U.S. So we, um, we, the email got shared around. And eventually, through a friend of a friend, I got the email. That, that email that I had written had gotten into the hands of Nicholas Kristoff from the New York Times. And, uh, and he just, you know, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was so funny because the article was going to be either written about Tanny in chesskid.com or the New York Times. And uh, you do the math. You know, it was one of the two because those were the two people that wanted to cover the story. And when Nick Kristoff called, I wasn't, you know, very familiar with him. Um, and I, I, I reached out to a friend and I said, is this a big deal that he wants to write this story? And he said, yeah, it's a big deal. I said, like, one out of 10, how big? And he said, 11. And I said, oh, my. And uh, we connected. It was also the week that there was a major cheating scandal for higher education in the United States where, as you might have followed, you know, people were influenced by buying access to um top universities and schools and Christoph just comes in and he, he, he hit, hit, hit the line was basically like, you know, when the media is focusing on wealthy families buying privilege to, you know, top institutions, we should all celebrate Tana Talua, who just won a uh, New York State chess championship all while living in a homeless shelter. And the story ran on Saturday, it dropped. We, we created a GoFundMe on Saturday night. I remember creating a GoFundMe because I knew that if the story was to have the impact, that it also gave people the opportunity to help support and change his life through that giving opportunity. So um, we created the GoFundMe. We launched the GoFundMe at the same time. The, the, the GoFundMe, if you look at it, I, I gave the first $100, and I said, you know, Tanny, keep it up, sky's the limit, and made my first donation to the GoFundMe thing. And then uh, Christoph article hits, and it just, oh, my goodness, it was it was wildfire. It was it was timing, the, the timing of the article. It was a dead news cycle. There's, everybody's eyes were focused on this kid, and it just gave hope and humanity and uh, brought the world together in a major way. And then, it was a wild ride from, from the article kind of launching on, on Saturday, but going into print on Sunday. By Sunday evening, I was, we were being contacted by all the major networks. And we, 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 we kind of filmed our first piece of media, which was CBS, the Gail King 
And we just did it at a public school. They called me and said, can you get the family together and everybody together to shoot this? And already the, it was wildfire, even before it hit on that Monday when it launched on national television, where Tanny, you know, Tanny and his family were introduced to the world. Everybody was, uh, everybody, anybody, everybody. And I'm talking about, you know, you're talking about, you know, from Ellen to ABC, NBC, BBC, Reuters, okay, every country, every international press. And I've never seen anything like it. And it was a significant moment for my life and family's life. And I think the life, and maybe in just in, in, just in people's lives, you know, human lives, just how everybody gathered together around something so, transform, so, so transformative and positive. And we went, ended up going, you know, that, that week, and, you know, the, the GoFundMe ended up becoming the number one GoFundMe in the world um, on their platform very quickly. Um, the story was trending as the number one, one of the number one stories in the world very quickly. And um, I began to get outreach, me directly, because I was the main point of contact in the story, who were reaching out to me about supporting the family in, in big and small ways. We had families that had three or four people, like, you know, kids, adults saying, you know, we have an extra room. We're happy to invite the, the audience family to come live with us. And you had people on Park Avenue saying, I have an empty apartment that you can, they can stay in until they find, get on their feet. And another person reached out and saying, we're happy to help them secure, you know, a home for them for the first year. And uh, another family gave a car and people decided legal services to help them with their asylum process. And other people provided op educational opportunities and, and notes of encouragement. And it was just an outpouring a significant outpouring of, of love and generosity. And uh, by, like I said, by that was by Monday, the story dropped on CBS. And uh, I think by Tuesday or Wednesday, we were on the Today Show. You know, we're being interviewed on live TV in, in you know, NBC Rock Center. And I'm there, it's me and the Adiumi family and Coach Sean. And it's just like, wow, wow, this is, this is, this is big. And um, that day, we also got the... Uh, the go ahead that there had been a home provided for them. So we, we got their stuff from the, from the shelter and they, they got, um, they got the lease signed and they moved in and we were there when, when they moved in, it was, you know, the Adiumi family, I think it's coach Sean, coach Andrew, I believe was there. Um, their pastor, pastor Philip came by to be a part of that. And also Nick Kristoff came and that's when he ran his, he began to write his second article that followed up the following week on, um, on everything that had transpired. And it was, it, it was, it was incredible. The whirlwind, and um, that led us up to, I guess, you know, his continuing to train and practice and be very diligent with his goals of, you know, he, like you said, publicly, he wants to be the youngest grandmaster. And he's, he's taking his steps to make that possible. And anybody that's ever doubted him has been, you know, proven wrong. He, he's upwards and onwards, you know, brilliant player, hardworking, a lot of support. And uh, who knows, you know, sky's the limit. A big goal, but also a brilliant kid that can, you know, can get there. And I think he's well on his way to showing us that he has, uh, he has what it takes. This past weekend, 2200 as a 10-year-old, I've never had a student in all my years that has accomplished um, that um, such a young age. And I, I would say, I, 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 would, I would argue that not only is he one of the youngest in the history of the U.S. to become a master at the age of 10, he probably did it quicker than anybody else. And he's only, he only was introduced to the game of competitive chess as a second grader. You know, a lot of these players that have been mastered at 10, I would, I would guess were introduced much younger, you know, at the ages of four, five, six years old. Tanny came in as a second grader in only, in only a, a, several short years, second grade to fifth grade to make 2200 when most people play their entire lives and not are able, and not able to achieve such a, such an accomplishment. So, um, yeah, super proud of him. Um, just a big fan of watching him and like anybody else is proud of uh, what he's been able to accomplish. It may be the most viral story, chess story ever. Oh yeah. I, not only Chester, I think just story in general. I, I've never seen, and I, you know, I'm someone that, you know, I have Twitter and Instagram and, you know, Facebook. 
I've never seen people gravitate towards a story and, and rally around a singular story. If you look what happened now, when Nick Kristoff posted the, the article about him becoming master, it really, I've never seen anything like it. Every, every country in the world, people are celebrating him. I mean, I got contacted from journalists in, in, in Canada. I see it all over you know, Africa and Asia and, 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 and the Americas and, and India. Every, everybody is just super proud. And it's like this human moment. And it's, it's, it's bigger than chess. It's like a viral human moment. And it's just incredible. Like I said, I don't think anybody can understand the dynamics and how to recreate it or how it was created, but it's, it's definitely a moment. So, you know, we've, we've talked now about how Tani got his start in chess. Uh, what about yourself? How, how did you get started and what, what made chess something that you wanted to pursue as a career? Well, you know, I, um, it's that magical, it's that magical moment of chess, the magic of chess, you know, that, 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 that the imagination that's tickled in a, in, young life you know they see the, the board they see the game they see the pieces moving you know and i i don't know why no one in my family plays chess no one in my community plays chess i grew up in, in massive beach new york it's in long island new york and there wasn't a single chess club or chess player that i was aware of in my community but you know what i love the game innately i love the game and um, i had my grandmother who had learned how to play chess and later on in her years and she had a this big chessboard in the center of her house that she, you know, we would put out, and uh, I was aware of that. I had a cousin that had talked about being a chess in a chess club in his school, um, which is in Toronto, in Canada, which I, I believe that was sort of. I understood that there was a game of chess and competitive, but I, maybe I would trace it back to searching for Bobby Fischer. You know, seeing a young kid like Josh Waitzkin, you know, going to the park with the, all the energy and the grit and the and the, and and and, and the, the spirit of New York City in that Washington Square Park, and seeing him play and be able to compete. Um, in such a way, I think that captured my my imagination. And my first chess book was Bobby Fischer teaches chess. I remember setting it up, you know, I'm playing it at my house. And I, I, if you look at any photo album, you can ask my parents, any photo album of me playing the game of chess. If you came into my home, we played a game of chess. I took out my board. My grandparents had bought me a wooden chess set, and I have it to this day. Anybody anybody that walked into 89 Lincoln Ave would uh, play a game of chess, and, and, and no one knew why, but it was just something that I... I did and was extremely passionate about it. And luckily enough, my father helped, you know, kind of encourage it to the extent that he could. We used to go to Washington Square Park in Greenwich Village and drive with the family and we'd meet the guys in the park and I'd, you know, pay the $5 and, you know, play games. And, I, and my spirit was never more alive when I was, you know, when I was doing, uh, when I was doing that and playing chess. And um, he, he registered for the U.S. Chess Federation. You know, there was no tournaments, but if you look at my U.S. ID number, it's an old ID number, you know, it's 128. You know, so I've been part of the Federation for a long time, even before I ever played a tournament, because back then I think, you, you know, he looked around and you get a magazine and you get a chess set back then and you get an ID number. And that's what he did. And then, uh, you know, I started playing chess on Yahoo.com and I used to try to play chess in, in school with some of my educators that, you know, we would meet after school and they put a chess board out and we'd play a little bit with some friends that were somewhat familiar with the game, but it never, never competed and never was part of a formal chess community. And so I went to uh, Montreal for um, university. I went to Concord University in Montreal. I left New York, uh, New York, graduated from William Ford High School in Long Island. And um, I went out to, to Montreal. And uh, in Montreal, um, I began to get plugged into um, a local community of chess players that would play at coffee shops and different places. And that's where I found a real community around people playing the game of chess. And... Um, I began to play recreationally. Like it was a hobby. I was studying business. I was actually playing basketball for the varsity basketball team, Concordia Stingers. We were ranked, I believe, at the time number two in all of Canada. Um, I came from a background of competitive athletics. Um, I was a three-sport athlete growing up in high school. 
Um, I played competitive tennis, um, basketball, and I ended up running cross country. But I played all sports, you know, growing up. And chess was a hobby. Chess was a side, uh, you know, kind of a passion, secret passion, secret hobby. It wasn't something I did publicly, but I played sports. Had an interest in business. Went to Concordia, studied business, played basketball there, and got involved in uh, the the passion of chess on the on the in the coffee shops of uh, of Montreal. You know, Park Avenue, St. Catherine Street. Um, you know, uh, these these places, and it was really something that was really quite special. And that's where I continued my my hobby and passion for chess while pursuing my business career and my 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 athletics. And then when I moved back to New York City in two thousand and seven. I took an apartment with my brother who was living on the Upper West Side in 107th Street in Broadway. And he was studying at Hunter College. And I came back and um, I was looking for opportunities in the business world. I had a finance degree and looking for opportunities in Wall Street and what may have you. And um, as the story goes, as you, as you know, there was a big financial crisis. So I did have a job on Wall Street as a, as a, a broker and trained for my seven and um, cold calling and so forth. And uh, that's when, the, you know, at that time, um, the, um, the opportunity um, came about for me to uh, further my education as my father was a professor at a university here in New York, New York Institute of Technology, and they had opportunities for children of professors to have something called um, access, tuition remission, but you can have access to education um, as a benefit. And um, so I, I took a pause from the Wall Street uh, kind of thing to kind of regroup and was, um, was attending school full time at MBA business school. And the uh, funny thing was, is that um, two things. One, I had to find a job. And the second one, I had to find some friends, you know, to two, two problems to solve. First thing to find a job, I went to Craigslist and I found a job coaching middle school basketball because that's what I had done in uh, Montreal. I coached competitively at an all-girls school called The Study, which is in Westmount. Because I was a varsity athlete, they were recruiting, you know, former players to coach at the middle schools. And I ended up coaching it for three years and I ended up coaching basketball and uh their soccer team, amongst other things. And I really felt, I fell in love with coaching. I never had coached before, but it'd be, it was something I fell in love with. When I came back to New York, there was a school called the Trevor Day School on the Upper West Side. They were offering a position as a middle school basketball coach. And um, I interviewed and I got the position. So I started coaching middle school basketball, going, studying for my business degree, and then looking for, for friends in the community. I ended up stumbling across 112th Street in Broadway in New York City. It's actually right in front of the Tom's Restaurant. Uh, which they filmed Seinfeld, the famous Seinfeld was right there, you know. So we would go over there and it was led by a local artist and bookseller named Adonir Ahmad, who had been in that neighborhood for many, many years. He's a fixture and he sat out every single day, put his chessboard out every single day and his books out every single day. And people would come and gather. If it was for one game or they would, they would gather for the afternoon or for the full day. It was, it was community, it was conversations, we would play music, we would laugh and we would just celebrate life and just enjoy New York City together as a chess community. And I started hanging out there quite quite frequently. That was my that was my social circle, my friend circle. And um, from there, what ended up happening is that the, the, the financial market collapsed in New York. I was there the day Bear Stearns went under and I was walking in midtown Manhattan. I see the brokers walking around out with their possessions in a, in a cardboard box, you know, in a little box. And uh, I was like, wow, you know, the markets and the economy is falling apart. I moved to New York City looking for the opportunity to be in finance and it's falling apart. I'm coaching these um, sports teams in, in New York City and having great success as a coach. And I'm, I'm finding great sense of community in the chess world, you know. And that's when I guess the idea came about to take it all, put it all together. My business, um, my business experience and my business training 
my love for sports and um, and activities and youth, youth programming that I had a lot of experience with and my passion for chess. And we started a chess club on 112th and Broadway. And I really never had any experience in the chess world before. So it's kind of one of these things I think sometimes when you do things, you don't know what you're doing. You're, 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 you're well suited because if you knew what you were doing, you probably wouldn't do it in the first place. So it was kind of, I was, I, I benefited from being naive, you know, and I also benefited from the internet. At that time, you know, Facebook, social media, websites were just coming about. So I was able to, you know, really integrate a lot of the technology that was available to get a name out there and to kind of build a, a chess program, um, you know, from scratch. And we began to uh, build out a chess program. And that was, um, you know, we did that for many years. And then in 2016, that kind of evolved into what is now Impact Coaching Network, which is um, really, I guess, takes the evolution of my whole career. Um, heavily, you know, heavy competition, training, passion for education, business sense, um, coaching and a lot for chess and kind of mold it all together. So we built an organization around um, introducing players to the game, kids to the game of chess, um, introducing them, but around communities, around teams, and around the idea that anything can be great and anything can contribute to their team success. And that through the pursuit of team success, individual success, will follow. We've been, you know, we've been surrounded by a tremendous group of, of passionate coaches. I've had the chance to work with some of these coaches for, you know, over, over the last 10 years, so, you know, since we started that in 2007, 2008, 2009, and now we're in 2021. I just, you know, built up an incredible community of, of, of bike-minded, passionate educators, and we love what we do. We've had tremendous success, um, you know, at the city, state, national level, not only winning, but I think transforming lives through the game of chess and really just introducing um, students to what I, I think is a transformative value or power of chess. I think it's a single great vehicle. I say a vehicle because it's something that you can use metaphorically just to empower kids in, in so many aspects. You know, you, you understand the value that chess, you know, and the value of learning chess and playing chess, such as the strategy and the critical thinking. That's no question. But you also learn really incredible values of, of the value of hard work and how hard work is rewarded in chess over time that, the harder you work, the better you'll do. And chess is a numerical game. It's not a game of, 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 of luck. It's a game of skill. So if you work hard at it, over time, you're going to be better at it. And you'll be, able to, you'll be rewarded with your rating going up or your, your accomplishments. And that, you know, that achievement is, is not a dirty word in the game of chess. Achievement means that you put work in and that you, 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 you've done that. And chess teaches about how to lose. You know, like a lot of these kids that I get, they come through, they can't, they didn't, they've, never, they've never lost before. They've never been in a position to lose. The amount of emotions that we deal with as, as coaches, the, the tears and, 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 and just the devastation when a kid loses, but you watch, they stick with it, they build up and, and losing becomes learning for them and losing becomes a big part of the game for them and winning. You know, when, you know, when kids win in the beginning, it's just, they're, they're so excited they're over the moon and it's this, you know, celebration, but pretty soon they learn that winning is part of the game as well. And then if you win, you lose, you shake hands, you set the board up and you play again and it's part of the greater process. Um, so I think chess is just, you know, like the idea of, of, of being rewarded through hard work, I think is the singular greatest thing that I think chess teaches because over time, any kid can be great. And I've seen it. I've, I, I, you know, at this point in my career, I've been a part of many, you know, city, state, national championships across many schools. And I've seen many kids that, you know, I've had kids win at the city, state, and national level many times. And it's not, it's, when, it, when it happens, it, 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 it's not an accident. It's a product of hard work in the community and the, and the culture that we built in these schools. And that's exciting to me that we can replicate success and we can give any kid the opportunity to be successful. And chess, I guess the last thing I'll say is it's irrespective. 
of gender, uh, of race, you know, of, of economics. It really is. It's, it's, it's a pure game. It's a fair game. You know, it's a fair game. It's a, it's a game that, that's fair. And I think that's great, especially in New York City. You know, you look at some of the top players that we've had coming out of our programs. You know, we have, you know, Shomo and Tani, Japanese kid, just won the state championship. His, his teammate, you know, Chen Renzu, she's a Chinese girl. She's currently in China. She just placed sixth in the country of China just for all players 11, 11 and 12 years old. You got players that are coming from all over the world, you know, on that, on that team at PS59, you have Indians and, and, and African Americans and, and from Africa and Latinos. And, and it's just, it, it represents New York City I and mean, then chess represents it just, it's an opportunity for everybody. Everybody's included. Everybody can be great at it. And I think that everybody should be given the opportunity to be great at it, introduced to it in their schools and pushed towards excellence. And I think that's, you know, if you look at, you know, if you look at even some of the great chess programs, you, you know, you've covered IS318, great example. When they were on their, on their, on their national championship tear, which they, you know, they've been on for, for as long as I've been around, you know, and I consider, you know, John Galvin and Elizabeth big, big mentors of what we've done. They've proven. I mean, they come from a Title I school, and there's no, there's no greater diversity than the teams of IS318, and they've proven it year in and year out. They can consistently win at the highest levels of chess. That is chess. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's for me, that's the magic. So for the 18 schools that Impact Coaching Network, and we'll just call you ICN from here on out, the 18 schools that you're in, uh, are these all after-school programs, or is it part of the curriculum in any of them? Yeah, so part of our our philosophy is that we, we, we want to have a buy-in from the communities that we um, we partner with. So there needs to be an appetite in the community for um, for chess and interest in, in chess, and, you know, from the administration level. And what we really we expect at a, at a bare minimum, we want to have a curriculum partnership where the schools can allow us to introduce chess to the entire student body. Uh, we're not we, we don't feel we're going to be able to um, grow a competitive culture in a program if we're not able to include everybody. And, and chess is a game that you need to learn before you love. You know, so being able to introduce K1 and 2s and have the pieces move and get them up and running and playing the game of chess is really instrumental in what an ICM partner school would look like. So we go to all the classrooms. Our coaches are, you know, we're DOE uh, fingerprinted and background checked and we, uh, we're DOE vendor, Department of Education in New York City. And we go into the New York City public schools as teachers during the school day and we teach chess as an academic class, usually for 10 weeks per grade um, per school, sometimes more. Um, but we, uh, I guess, at, you know, at, at the very core is we, we need to introduce and we need to create an excitement and we need to create um, an environment at, an, at a school-wide level that celebrates the game of chess. So therefore, we can funnel it into our training practice and after school and ultimately our competitive chess team. So that, yeah, that, that is correct, that each one of our partner schools, all 18, would be expected to have chess during the school day in the classroom. And that's a core pillar of an ICM program. And I'm also curious because you say on your website that you have a team first training approach uh, and that, you know, coaches and leaders are going to collaborate with each partner program to build that community. Let, let, let's talk about this team first. When, when you have a, a, a standout talent, and since we've already talked about uh, Tani, why don't we use him as an example? How did a standout talent like him, who's pursuing its definitely individual goals, how do you merge that into that team-first concept? Yeah, so, you know, um, I, I, I believe that you know, if you want to create a great chess player, you've got you to get a level, a critical mass level of chess at a, at a particular school. So in New York City, um, if you look at the great chess players, they all come from certain chess schools. And you can talk about the Dolphins and the Hunters and the, 
you know, the 318s and the Spires and the Andersons and all the great players and the 33s and 11s and 59s and, and, and so on and so forth. All the great chess players come out of great chess schools. Because what happens is there's, there's, a, there's an osmosis and immersion. When you walk in as a, as a, as a young player or as a, a player first being introduced, when you're, when you're walking into a, a program that already has an established tradition of excellence that competes at the city, state, and national level, the expectation of what you can achieve and just being around that accelerates your ability to um, become a competitive chess player very quickly. And I'll kind of give you an example, you know, to start a new program at a school, to get one kid in that school to be rated, say, 1,000 USCF, it could take three years to get one kid to be a competitive player. It's very difficult. And then maybe it'll take a year or two to get a kid, you know, another two or three kids. But there's been years at some of these public schools that I've had 15, 20 kids in one year become 1,000 USCF in one school. And it's just it's this idea that, you know, once you get the level, you know, uh, and the expectations of a certain level, kids walking in are going to assimilate just the natural, the natural idea that you want to be part of that. And so when you talk about Tan, it's, you, know, you also got to talk about Avio Yurlov, who was his teammate, who also made 1,800 in three years. And that was his teammate. That's who he was competing against. You know, and you got to talk about kids like, you know, Zephan Lee, who was his teammate, who was, you know, same grade as he was, that was also competing. Or Suhana Kumar, who walked in the year before Tani was there. She won the New York State Championship. And he walked in and he saw that. And he walks in and he sees a kid, a bunch of kids competing and doing, doing great. And he wants to be part of that greatness. And he wants to assimilate and be, be recognized. And he wants to have the opportunity to walk on the stage and to be recognized in, both individually for himself and be part of a team's success. You know, and, and that's why we, you know, when we're in a team or training, you know, who's done the most puzzles this week? And I'll tell you, Tani wanted to raise his hand, but sometimes some other kids would be first and some would be second and be third and be fourth. But you create a community of, of peer-to-peer competition. It's friendly competition. It's, it's, it's the idea that you're, you're, you're sort of leveraging human nature. You know, people want to be on the team. They want to support their teammates. They want to be great. They want to be recognized. They want to achieve. And when you do it together, you're able to accelerate. For example, Tani, Tani, Tani was 1800, you know, at the same time that Avio Yurlov was 1800. They were going back and forth. Who was going to be number one? Who's doing the most puzzles? Back and forth. They became great buddies, but great teammates. And they really actually, like you said, iron sharpens iron. Sharpens iron. And uh, you don't get a tenant through necessarily without an Avio Yurlov. And that's just metaphorically speaking for all great teams. We push each other to be greater. That's why we focus on team success. And you're going to see a lot of individual success follow. So ICN has kind of grown beyond uh, just teaching. Uh, you, you started this gift of chess initiative. Uh, tell, tell our listeners what this is all about and, and also how they can donate if, if you're looking for donations for it. No, thank you, Dan. And um, gift of chess is, you know, I, like I said, I, once again, I say chess is the greatest game. As an educator, it's, it's the greatest game. It's a vehicle that teaches so many important uh, skill. And I think every kid should learn the game of chess. Every single kid, I think, should have the opportunity to learn and play the game of chess. Every kid can be great at the game of chess. And as a sidebar, I just want to thank you guys and U.S. Chess Federation. You guys create the ecosystem, you know. You guys create the opportunities for us to push these kids because everybody is sort of in the USCF sort of world. You know, your the rating system, but not just the rating system, but the, um, the events, the, the national championships. That's where the magic happens. And this idea that you guys are sort of kind of controlling... The, the community and moving it forward in such a positive way with everything that you guys do with Carol and what you guys have done all these years, you know, thank you because you allow, you allow so many affiliates and programs like ours in New York and across the country to, to change kids' lives through the game of chess because the U.S. chess is, is really, as I would say, creates the ecosystem, the, the overall the governing body where this magic, magic can happen. Um, so this past year, you know, we used to go in and see, you know, the kids in classrooms and we would have, I, I think, you know, 
in 2019, we had about a thousand kids in our in our team programs, our after school programs. And we were, you know, we were growing. We, we opened up a Brooklyn network, which we, we um, under the leadership of chess legend Ian West, who was 20 years in Brooklyn out of PS 139, the Chess Ninjas. And you know, we partnered, and I, I knew it was important to have leadership and a director. So Ian came in and took over Brooklyn, and he grew a, a very vibrant, successful program out of the Brooklyn schools. And in Manhattan, I was overseeing the Manhattan program, and it was real growing. But then. On March 13th in New York City, I was at PS59 on the east side, and I knew, I knew that it was the last day I was going to see the kids. I just knew. I knew that the Blasio, someone's going to come on and say we're closing the public schools. There was just too much pressure. Everybody had already closed. The private schools were already closed. Everybody was closed, and the public schools were the last man standing, and our chess teachers were the last people standing. Literally, we were going into it was, it was uncertainty. It felt like a war zone from Monday to Friday leading up to March 13th. It was incredible. Incredibly, you know, uh, it, was, it, was, it was surreal. But we made it to the Friday. And every day that we met that week, we went into the programs. Ian was in Brooklyn. I was in Manhattan. We had a little bit of meeting and say, guys, one step at a time, one foot in front of the other, and let's keep on moving forward. Until we are asked not to come any longer, let's be here for the kids. We were going to the schools and, you know, the, you know, the te- teachers weren't there. I mean, you know, people were, you know, uh, you know, the kids were there. And it was just, it's unbelievable. You know, you were, you were, you were frantically just putting Purell hand sanitizer on your hand every second of every moment when you're in the, in the class of those kids. It was, it was crazy. So March 13th, Friday hits, and I knew we weren't going to see the kids. I just knew. And I told the coaches, like, heads high, like, you did a you know, heck of a job keeping this thing going for the last two weeks during all the uncertainty. And we're going to figure it out. So that weekend, I thought about it. And then on Monday, um, I got an email out, I think, on Monday morning saying, you know, we're not leaving this community we're not going anywhere. Chess is so important to the fabric of, you, of your kids' education and the normalcy and their social interactions. We're not going to let you down. You know, I'm in New York City with my three kids, just like you're in New York City in some apartment. We're all in this together. No one knows what's going on. And I, I said, we're going to be there. So what we did was we took all the technology that we've already integrated. You know, our ICM program is heavy on technology. Every one of our kids has tech accounts that we're training and monitoring and assigning work on. So what we did was we just took the tech accounts and we gamified it and we began to create leagues and began to create daily competitions. One in the morning, there's a morning competition, there was an evening co- afternoon competition. And then we had, um, you know, open, open um, um, streams. And we were just trying to figure out technology at the time. But on day one, every one of our kids automatically, the light switched. No one, the, the, the part of education didn't even have online learning yet. Online learning didn't start for, you know, a week or two weeks later, but what they had was their chess program. So over the last year and a half, we've really gotten quite savvy and we've been able to expand with access to technology. And I'll give a shout out. Chesky.com, I think, is, you know, a tremendous resource. And to Carrie and to Mike Klein and those guys that we worked with for so many years, they have such an impact on, on kids. Because what Chesskid.com does, it, it allows every kid to have access to the same technology, the same resource. And any kid that uses that technology can become a great chess player. It's a, it's a simple fact. So we have all these kids playing on chess technology. Begins the summer, and then now it's time to go into the fall. And I thought, Instead of just giving the, the kids in our chess program, the thousand kids that were on our teams, actually chess technology, let's go a little further. Let's give every kid in our program, our partner school program, access to chess technology. Gold members is chesskid.com, where they can train and practice and they can become great, you know, during this virtual world. So instead of having a thousand accounts out there in New York in the public school system, we began to give entire school. You know, you're talking about PS10 or PS11 in Chelsea, we have a thousand kids in the school, PS10 in Brooklyn thousand kids in the school. These kids are not kids that have played chess before in, 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 a, in a compulsive way that haven't been tracked and monitored and a part of our program. So what we did is 10,000 chess kid accounts, 
We started opening up Zoom rooms, we called them pet rallies. The school would let us get an entire school on a Zoom room at one time, and we would say, who's done the most puzzles? Who's doing what? Lessons, videos, workouts. And we created something called the Superstar Chess League, which tracks the engagement of each kid, not aptitude, engagement, puzzles, lessons, videos, and workouts. And we put every school versus each other, every school. So any kid in the school can, by practicing, they can earn points for their school, and their school is going to be paired against other schools in our league, which is called the Superstar Chess League. And you can see it. Kids began to compete, and we began to find thousands and thousands of kids actively engaging in technology. And that's when you say, you know, we have, you know, on, on, on a weekly basis or whatever, you have thousands of kids, you know, thousands of kids across New York playing in technology. But at the same time, then I think you got to realize is that I never wanted the schools to close. I didn't want to be virtual. You know, no one did. We were, we, were, we, were, we were reacting in the most responsible way that we could and trying to make the best out of the situation. It was very challenging. We love being with the kids. We're a human organization. The high fives, the pats on the backs, the tears, the joy, the laughs, you know, the community that's well, that's who we are. And being virtual is just not that. It's not that. You know, we can make the best of it and we can push it, we can create tremendous opportunities. But I believe in physical interaction, human connection. You know, I've been in New York during this whole thing, you know, with you know, when the city's shut and you can't see anybody. And all you want to do is say hi to somebody, play a game of chess with somebody face to face. So we had all these kids playing virtually. They had technology, they were training, they're loving the game. And I said, you know what? Most of these kids have never played the game of chess physically before. They got introduced to chess during this virtual world. They're loving the game, they're progressing. What better way to create human interaction, to grow our chess community, accelerate this growth by giving every one of those kids their very own chess sets. So then they take what they've been learning online, they're playing every day in lessons, puzzles, they're playing live games, they're loving the game. Give them a chess set and let them play with grandpa. Let them play with grandma. Let them play with their sisters and brothers in their apartments. Let them play in their community. And that's how I played on 112th Street. There was one board and there was 20, 20 people hanging out, talking, chatting, making lifelong friendships, enjoying just being, being humans together. You know, and that's what chess does. Every country I've ever traveled, I don't care if I'm in South Africa or I'm in India or if I'm in New York City. I go play chess, irregardless of the language, it's community, you interact with human, human connections. I was like, you know what? Let's give out 10,000 chess sets. Let's get these kids playing the game, socializing, sharing the game with their learning virtually, sharing it physically. And so we have 10,000 sets coming. They're, they're on a ship right now on a boat that's obviously coming from China. Okay, we got it. We ordered them at $4.59 a set. Okay, so we, the goal was to raise 10,000 chess sets and people to contribute. We raised over 5,000 chess sets. You know, I fronted the other half of the money just to make sure that this thing got done. But, I'm, you know, we're getting a 501c3, you know, a, a major law firm in New York saw what we were doing. They reached out. They said they're going to get us the charitable status, 501c3. We're going to get the 10,000 sets. We're going to give them to every kid in, in, in New York, Brooklyn and Manhattan, get them playing chess, show the impact that it has. And, Dan, I'm telling you, you heard it here first. I want to get every single kid in New York a chess set next year. Okay, so there's a million kids. It's, you know what, $5 million, something like that. What better, what better use of funds? We know the value with, with chess can do. We know the impact it can have. A chess set and chess technology. And let's find the kids that love it and let's give those kids greater opportunities. Listen, I can see what any kid is doing at any time. It's all on the, it's all tracked. That's big data. That's the advantage of technology. I can see if there's a kid in, in Chinatown that, that's incredibly talented. I can see if there's a kid in, in the Bronx or Harlem, you know, in Parksville, Brooklyn, Dittness Park, wherever they are, in Queens. I can see anything. It's all in real time. So you can find the kids. Technology. Get technology to every kid. Teach them how to play the game of chess. Give them a chess set. And that's kind of impact. You know what? And you, look, you see what happened to these kids' lives. Look at Tani, for example. Look at Showmore and Tani, for example. Look at these kids. They learned chess in the classroom, in school, and it went on to change their life. And I think that we can replicate that success, the gift of chess, 
giftofchess.org. And listen, I got 10,000 this, this year. We're going to get it out. We're going to, we're going to get these kids playing. They, they've never been more excited. These kids, they're waiting for their set. And what I can't wait for is when I get the sets, 13,000 pounds of chess sets. That's what's on the ship right now. They're coming in according to the, um, the shipping docks. It's going to be May 16th. Then I got to get them from the, the ship to the, 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 the kind of the warehouse that we're going to hold, hold the sets. And then I'm going to start driving school to school and dropping them off and seeing the kids' faces, seeing the principal, getting the sets to the kids. And you know, listen, chess changed my life, right? I, I got one chess set, and I said, anybody that walked through the door of my house growing up would play a game of chess with me. Imagine that 10,000 times. So maybe 10,000 kids don't do it, but maybe there's 1,000 kids that use those sets, and those sets get, get, get used. You know, I have a friend named George Wak. You've heard of him as well. He was, you know, a lost boy from Sudan. He was covered in the news some years ago with, he was in the People magazine, he was in Washington Post. He was actually in the Wall Street Journal. And he was a kid in a, in a, in a camp that these kids fled the, um, the Civil War in Sudan. They got into Kenya. The United Nations flew in supplies, including one chess set. And there was hundreds of kids waiting to play chess on that one board. And if they lost, they would may- maybe not be able to play a game for another day or two because, you know what, the winner stood up the phase on sort of thing. And, you know, from that one board, he learned a game of chess. And from that one, from that one player learning chess, he went on to, you know, like I said, become a national chess master. But teach chess to so many kids and share his, his story around the world and be an inspiration from one chess set. You know, so that's why I really believe in the value of, of a physical chess set and, and, and what the gift of chess can provide into the kids in New York City. And like I said, and, and, and then maybe nationally, through partners with chesskid.com that has technology to every, you know, kids across this country from sea to shining sea. You know, we can get technology to hands, we can get chess sets to hands. And, and, the, and the people are very generous. You know, people supporting education and excellence, you know, they're generous people. You know, one guy already gave me 5K. 5K said, you know what, go get them. Great job. Keep it up. You know, and that's, that's the spirit. That's the spirit. How do you select which schools you're going to be donating these sets to? Well, it's, it really, it's, it's really, it doesn't matter. Any, any, any school, but I just want to make sure that we have the kids have technology. So I started with our schools because we already have the kids learning. I don't, I don't think it's a great idea to give a kid a chess set without the ability for them to learn how to play the game. I'd, I'd like to match a chess set with chess technology. So I, I started with our sets, our schools, because we already have the technology. Kids are already learning. The 10,000 kids and so on and so forth are already out there. But I also partner with Chess in the Schools. Um, they're a nonprofit in New York that does great work in Title I schools in New York. I gave them 1,000 sets. I've, I've agreed to give ChessKid.com another 1,000 sets because they have some partners of schools in New York City that we're not affiliated with, but they have the technology. So Chess in the Schools is using the, the Chess tech to get kids you know, sort of access to learning while giving them the chess set. So it really would go to any school. I mean, any, any school that wanted to invest in giving kids the technology, getting them up and running, and giving access to learn before you give them a chess set. And I think when you do both together simultaneously, the impact becomes much greater. Now, another, oh, I should ask in, so you are still looking for donations for this program because you're looking to grow it, right? So they can go to the website you mentioned? Yeah. Yeah, they can they can donate. Like I said, we, we reached half of our goal. We reached, we raised 5,000 chess sets. We had 150, 160 unique donors out of New York City. We still have another 5,000 sets to raise, um, you know, to get the 10,000 goal that we've reached for. But like I said, with the, with the nonprofit coming in the 501c3, if all goes well, and this is as successful as I, as I think it can be, I want to get chess sets to every kid in New York City next year, not just kids from the public schools, but charter schools, private schools. Chess is not about the social economics of the kid. It's about a, a kid, you know, and just because you have the resources to get a chess set doesn't mean your, your parents are getting you a chess set. Just because you have access to technology and a computer doesn't mean you have 
the, the, the access to chess technology. You know, so I think that's why I think chess is good for every child. And that's why I want to really open this up and get as many kids in New York. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a community game. This is a game, like I said, chess is played by everybody. You know, you can play chess, you know, in the slums of Nigeria, which my friend Tundi, you know, if you're following him, is doing great work going all over the, you know, the, 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 some of the poorest communities in Nigeria, teaching the kids how to play the game of chess, and they're thriving. And then you can go, you know, you can go to, you know, some of the, the, the you know, the, the, the greatest institutions in, in the world, and it's a royal game played by, you know, the kings and queens, you know, it's a game played by everybody. So, um, you know, that's, 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 they can, you know, I'd love for people to support it. It's thegiftofchess.org. Um, you can go to the website. Every single dollar is going directly towards chess sets. So there's no administrative fee. We don't have any overhead. We don't have any really, everything, everything we're doing is just, it's a pass through. Money comes in from the chess sets. Chess sets go out to the kids. Money comes in and we're going to, you know, for technology, hopefully for next year, technology goes out to the kids. I don't, I don't foresee there being any administrative expenses. Definitely not this year. Every dollar that you give, you can be guaranteed that if you give a $4.59, somebody in New York City is going to be getting a chess set that you help support. And another initiative that you started was Her Move Next. What is that and how is it doing currently? Yeah, so Her Move Next um, is, just, is, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's the idea that, you know, um, we talk about it, empowering future female leaders through the blending of chess community and competition. You know, that's what we talk about. But it really was an evolution of just seeing it firsthand in real life, you know, what happened at PS33 in Chelsea, New York City, a group of girls getting introduced to the game of chess. And it started with one or two girls. And then it became three girls. And what we saw was that the community, the social aspect, the support of girls playing together, and you went from a handful of girls playing the game of chess, but once they began to you know, have an identity in a club and a social sort of um, identity around being part of the girls' chess team, it became magical. You know, at PS33, you know, you talk about, you know, we, we, we produce, you know, at one point you have, you know, 15, 20 girls in the school on the chess team. You have 15 girls that are nationally ranked in the United States at a one school. You know, you're talking about girls number one in the country. You know, the Morden sisters, Rosie and Smith Morden, back-to-back state champions, New York State, K6 champions, first Rosie win, then Simone wins it. And then you have Whitney C. coming up, being number one rated girl in the United States, part of this girls group. And you have girls like Chloe, who now playing at IS318, is a very strong player. And Abigail, and Sophia, and Sophia, and Joyce, and, 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 and Alia Saldana, in her first year, she became ranked number four in the United States for her age, after playing for only a year, a year and a half. The magic of them when they rallied around each other. So we wanted to create, well, take a step backwards the, the magic was captured in an award-winning documentary called her move next a filmmaker a good friend of mine ian um, phillips we asked him to, to kind of capture the moment you know we thought it was something special these girls coming together as a group as a community something was happening there was a magical moment he began to, to film it and lucky for us he filmed them through, through, through a school year um starting in the beginning of the school year all the way up until the girls went to chicago for the national chess championship where they won first place they were the, the under eight all girls national champions. And he caught it all on film. The tears, the joy, the celebration, the family, the community, the, the dinners together. Okay. The, 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 they used to wear these cat ears together. They had their own little identity. It was led by Coach Angel. And the parents were super supportive. So we, we made a film, and the film just was so special. And like I said, it won International Film Festival. We went to London and we went over there. The Feminist Film Festival got first place. It was screening all over New York. And we had this movie. It was called Her Move Next. We had this program that did very well and 
speaking to Ben Morden, who's the father of some of the girls, I said, why can't we use this, what worked here, and provide more girls the opportunity to get into chess? Because obviously they, they love playing when they do it together in a community, in a, in a, in a social way. And they can be great at it. I mean, these girls are tremendous chess players. So we started the Her Move Next Foundation. And um, right now, we are hosting a, a national league. We have girls from all over the United States playing it. Just last month, Jen Shahadi um, from the U.S. Chess Center, she came on and she gave a chat and talked about the, um, the, you know, some of the things that are happening in promoting girls playing chess in the United States. And we have a national network of girls playing in community, competition, community, um, and, um, and chess. And, you know, these girls are contributing. It's for the girls, by the girls. So the girls are the TDs, the girls are playing, the girls are also the coaches, the girls are the MCs, the girls are writing about it, they're doing the social media. So it really is something that I want them to take and run with. And it's, um, you know, it's building towards a national organization. And just, you know, a couple of years ago, we actually partnered with How You Fan and Her Move Next. You know, who was the number one chess player, a female chess player in the world, was the women's world champion out of China at 14. And she came in and she partnered with, uh, you know, UBS Bank and World Quant, which is a financial trading firm. And Her Move Next, we did, a, we did a collaborative effort. It was held at UBS in Midtown Manhattan. And everybody saw that this is something that more girls can benefit, not just in New York City, but like I said, see the shining sea, more girls playing, more girls achieving, more girls pushing, encouraging each other. And that this community could have such a tremendous impact um, on so many girls. And we want to give more girls the impact through the Her Move Next um, initiative. It's called Her League. And you can go to hermovenext.com. Hermovenext.com. You can find out all the details about what's happening. We actually have our next Her League. We have a monthly um, league that's meeting this coming Friday. And we have girls from all over the country that play in it. So the Her Move Next documentary uh, is readily available on YouTube. I it's only seventeen minutes long. I watched it in preparation for for this podcast, and it it is it's, it's as good as you say it is. So I, I will give it an independent review and, and recommend our, our listeners watch it. The, um, the the tone of it is is very good, and uh, the girl Chloe that you mentioned particularly stood out to me. Uh, in this as someone that uh, has had a very positive effect um, from learning chess. And that's actually the closing question I I have for you is ultimately, Russ, what have you seen in your years as a, as a chess coach is what is the value of teaching chess to children? Well, like I said, when I, I, chess is the single, in my opinion, single greatest vehicle for teaching everything all at once, all together. You know, they say chess is like an art and a science. And I was thinking about it the other day. You know, chess allows kids to be creative because in chess, no, game, no, no game's the same. You know, you can, you can really be creative and, and, and paint your canvas of the chess game. But chess is also about rules. You know, you, you, pawns only move a certain way and knights and bishops and kings and queens. So there's a combination of rules and creativity. And, 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 and it's a game that's a fair game. Fair game. You know, there's no dice in this game. And there's no cards in this game. You, you it's fair. You know, you play the best, the best player usually wins over the course of time. So I think it has all the academic values of, of learning how to critically think and strategy. It teaches patience. You know, when you, when you play the game of chess, you need to slow down. You know, the greatest chess players are the ones that play the slowest, you know, because when you, when, when you're impulsive, you move quickly, you make mistakes. And parents ask, how do I get my kid better at chess? I said, just have them slow down. <laughs> you know, that's a very, very, very simple situation there. It teaches all these things. You know, we deal, we run a society of instant gratification, you know, clicks and likes and social media. And in a game of chess, you can sit for three hours, boom, thinking. You're almost in a state of trance, thinking and absorbing and, and just being present in that moment. 
you know, and chess is like, you know, like I said, the, the hard work, the correlation between hard work and success is unbelievable. You know, it's not parents say, how am I going to get my kid better at chess? And I say, do 50 puzzles this week and do it every single week. And they'll come back a, a month later and say, how am I going to get my kid better at chess? And I let's look at the kid's stats and they've done no puzzles. And I say, please don't ever ask me that question again. Don't ask me how you're going to get better at chess when I'm telling you to put the work and you're not doing that. And that's just that simple. Not everybody has to be great at chess, but don't tell me that you want to be great enough for the work. And it's just it's nonsensical. If you want to be great, get it done. And chess is available to everybody now through technology, chesskid.com, things like the gift of chess, the internet, anybody. I don't care. Like I said, if you're Tundi and you're in the slums of Nigeria, you're in the, in the royal halls of, of the kingdom, anybody can play chess. I mean, you don't need space. You don't need tremendous resources. You need an internet connection. You need a passion. You need a, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the desire. And I, I will say, I mean, like I said, chess should be taught to every single kid in elementary school. Should be. And not just taught. I'm not talking about teaching chess. And I think you got to understand something how I feel about it. I don't like talking about the virtues of chess, that chess teaches these things. What I like to do is get the kids as good as chess as possible and let them enjoy all the benefits of that, that process allows. Don't tell me about how critical thinking or concentration, socialization, even though I've already mentioned that, tell me you want to get a kid to 1,000, 1,500, 2,000, in a candy situation, 2,200. And I guarantee you, he's experienced all about the, the values of chess. Patience, concentration, strategy, critical thinking, it's already built in. So kids don't need to learn how to play chess. They need to learn how to play chess well and to be pushed and to try to be able to achieve. I think that's when you get the real values when you allow kids to be excellent at chess. You don't just show them how to move the pieces. You create an environment that is, it, it, it allows for kids to reach their wildest dreams, not only individually, but as a group, um, as a team. And, um, and that's why, you know, like we've seen in every school, in every school, in every community across New York, kids all behave the same. Given the opportunity, every kid will be, can be equally as well. You know, no, no, no player is born a great chess player. Great chess players are created. And in, in, in our vision, Impact Coaching Network, as you said, team first training approach dedicated five of chess means delivering mental chess is fine. We are not chess teachers. We are not, we are not chess teachers. We don't teach how pe- to move the pieces. We teach you how to love the game and you'll find out how to move the pieces. You know, we're chess motivated. The technology is out there. There's a million chess lessons out there from better grandmasters and better players than I'll ever be. We're not great chess teachers. Even though we teach chess and we have some of the greatest chess teachers, I think, on staff, that's not what we pride ourselves in. We're motivated. We're inspirational. We inspire communities of kids to want to be great. And that's what kids need. They can get the information. They can be great. They just need to have the desire and the passion and the will to get there. And that's what Impact Coaching Network does. And like I said, every kid should have it. Every school should have it. Um, and, and, and I really hope that maybe someone listening can understand that, that this is really such an important vehicle for the future of our education here in the United States of America. Russ, that's a great way to close the show. If, if, if someone wants to, to reach out to you, how, how can they contact you? Oh, well, you can, um, I'm not going to give you my cell, you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, email's fine. You can reach us at Impact Coaching Network at gmail.com. Uh, you know, we get those. Um, you can, you can follow us on Instagram and Instagram slash, um, impact coaching network. We're on social media and Twitter. It's sort of, uh, it's fine. Or you go to our website, impactcoachingnetwork.org, And we have a contact button there that would allow, allow for us to, allow for us to contact, um, us directly. Um, 
And um, and that would be great. And I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd love to hear from anybody and everybody you know that has a similar passion uh, for for the kids. And uh, like I said, this is for the kids. Chess is our vehicle, and I think that we we can really leverage it to make great progress. Well, Russ, again, thank you for everything you're doing to promote chess, and thank you for joining us on this May edition of One Move at a Time. I really enjoyed learning about all this from you. Thanks, and I appreciate it so much. And thank you for. Um, everything that, that you do, and uh, it doesn't go unnoticed. So thanks a lot. Yeah, you're welcome. But I get paid for it too, so <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on this edition of One Move at a Time, which always drops on the second Tuesday of each month. Our theme music was composed by National Master Alex King of Memphis, Tennessee. Our podcasts are produced and edited by Jason Andre at Seven Season Films, Photography, and Media. Please visit www.7seasonfilms.com to find out how to start your own podcast. Our sister podcasts at U.S. Chess are Cover Stories with Chess Life on the first Tuesday of each month, Ladies Night, hosted by Women's Program Director Jennifer Shahadi on the third Tuesday of each month, and on the fourth Tuesday, Chess Underground, hosted by our Assistant National Events Director Pete Karianis. I hope that you have learned something of value that you can now use to help build chess in your own community. We'll be back next month with another Chess World personality who is helping us advance our mission statement to empower people, enrich lives, and enhance communities through chess.